Welcome to another episode of The Unapologists. Today we are with, of course, the amazing, stellar, and just overall unicorn of a man, Christopher Polson. <laughs> and I mean that in the most minotaur kind of way, Chris. <laughs> and uh, Vito McKenzie on this end as well. Today's episode actually might probably stretch out into a few parts based on how far we get today. And we're going to look at dealing with teacher burnout. And this is a huge topic, huge. So I, I don't know if we're going to get to all of our talking points today, but we're going to tackle it. And I, cause it's, it's important. And especially We're's in today's tackling. world. Yeah. Especially in today's world where burnout happens so fast, so easily, so quickly, well, we're going to look at some of the root causes and see what we can do about it and see if we can find some practical takeaways, not to say we're going to solve the problem, but Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it. So, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, really, really, really well. Uh, and I was just thinking uh, about my Minotaur comment. I actually, um, I'm more of like a centaur, but my my mom was a mermaid and I ended up just getting kind of like the top half jeans. So I just look like a normal guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, fantastic. We can't forget that we're here with Vito too. I mean, this guy is a, a legend's legend. Legend's legend. Yeah, in the same way that Mr. Bean is a legend in the comedy world, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I think burnout is uh yeah, I think it's something worth looking at. Well, for sure, because I'm let's let's talk about us two right now. Um you know, one of the first things we look at is why why do teachers burn out? Why do teachers burn out? So the the number one obvious answer is we burn the candles at both ends. You and I do that. Like you and I do that. Let's look at our, our stories first and then we'll look at other stories as well. Sure. So look at looking at your own life, Chris, and your own teaching career, like give us an example of where this has happened to you. Well, you know, it's so uh, easy to kind of look at this like historically, because I think one of the easy ways to look at that, we have a lot of early career burnout, I find in our industry. Um, but I don't necessarily want to go in that direction and look at early career burnout because, you know, everyone knows that first year, you know, you're, you're at the school till nine at night and you're there at five in the morning, you know? Um, but I kind of see burnout in that mid career area a little differently um, because it, it, it boils down to like what we've talked about before in caring. It's that, the ability the, lacking an ability to shut off lacking an ability to um not answer the email you know when we we think about uh, our, our our technology and how we're connected to it so much um how many people do i know who are who are not first second third fourth fifth year teachers who when the little sign on the phone dings that you have an email that teacher version you know the teacher the career person not that you're a different person when you're in the classroom when you're not but like not being able to turn it off so that it's the 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 job is always on especially for people who like really really care about it and really really care about their students and their and their buildings and their districts um because it just doesn't turn off um you know and you think about it in terms of you know wherever you go you know, you are going to run into people who no matter what you do, you are always going to be Mr. McKenzie or Mr. Polson. So just that burnout comes from burning the candle at both ends in that there's, there's not even an end at either side. It's just an ongoing flame um, because there's no turning it off. Um, 
that yeah that's kind of where i see like at this stage in the game where where burnout oh. can be and it, it, it has to be actively fought against okay so you, you make a distinction here between a first year teacher even first five years i I, sure. I i can give it to that where you're still trying to figure out the craft and your subject matter and classroom management and you're there as long as you can and trying to figure this out and you're probably coaching too and doing mm -hmm. some after school clubs uh, versus the mid-career and uh, and so you're saying that the mid-career more has to do with the fact that you just can't turn off at this point well it's not turning it off and um depending on the person you are you know the the stakes are high you know the, the what do you mean by that like well, like I, depending on the person you are like the, what, what are we talking well, like well hey if you if you if you're the type of person who and, and again i think we talked about this last episode if you are like a type of person who is just numbers oriented not people oriented not student oriented you know not understanding that a connection needs to be made type thing um that's what i mean by the type of person you are because it's so difficult um, if we talk about burning the candle at both ends, when you are st starting to see like a little bit of success from one of those people who needs to be a, a, a success story, there's no way that you're not answering that email that comes in at 1130 at night. There's no way that you're not racking your brain over how to do this. The, the, the off button doesn't exist um, because the stakes are so high because the stakes are the life of a young person, essentially, you know call it what it is the stakes are the life and the future of the young people who are in your care and i use the term care very very intentionally right right so as a teacher obviously you get in this because you most of us and i think we talked about this last last episode too is because you actually care for these students and you want to see the best of them and so that's why you're answering emails at you know 11 at night and first thing in the morning and, checking and it might in not be an email i use email because it's an easy example um but like it could be like i know i'm giving this assignment tomorrow but if i change this right here i think it'll make it a better assignment you know not being able to you know like any person who's working on a craft uh not knowing when to say it's done and let it be its thing um, okay, so what what makes this different? And as you, from let's say uh, another field, and I'm going to use magic as an example here. As you know, I was a professional magician for many years, mm -hmm. and a magician never turns off their magic brain. Everything is a magic trick. Every song could be done to a magic effect, and you're always thinking, you're always practicing, but you don't burn out from that. You you thrive on it. People actually find it hard to be around you because you're only like thinking magic all day long every day so what 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 makes that different from a craftsperson let's say and and it could be anybody like a like an actual tradesperson it could be mm -hmm. someone obsessed with a business you know you have those wall street junkies and i use that term you know whatever catch-all for traders who live and breathe when mm -hmm. a stock goes up by like a fraction of a point but they live and breathe that stuff so what makes this different uh, for teaching why, why is it different what do you think? What do you think? That's a really good question. Uh, number one, I don't think it's too different. Um, I don't think it's too different um, because of some of the examples you gave me. Um, how like it would be interesting to look at the statistics of people who are, you know, still consistently doing magic shows, still consistently you know, on Wall Street trading. I think about it in terms of uh, in terms of music. 
um, when you, you we record a song, um, we we start to mix and master it, right? And if we don't say this song is done by this date, we'll work on it forever because mm-hmm. it'll never be it'll never be done. Because um, I, I think there's some I think I think there's not a lot of difference because um, you know there's not a lot of people who stick in any creative endeavor for the long haul. Uh, but when it comes down to it is I think it comes down to the stakeholders in terms of education um, because we uh, part of that burnout is being aware of the stakeholders and being aware of the uh, the critical eye of the stakeholders, whether that is your administrative stakeholder who has expectations of the teacher in terms of curricular content, in terms of outcome, in terms of classroom management, um, the the parents who have an expectation of their teachers to be showing a certain level of uh, knowledge base, professionalism, uh, care, and of course the students too, who um, they may not necessarily know this and be able to articulate it, um, but they have a massive expectation for you to come in and do your job and do it well. Um, And they'll show you, uh, you know, as we get into some of the other things we want to talk about, some of that is the the spiral effect of um, feeling that burnout. I don't believe that there's ever, like, we don't ever have bad days. You know, we don't ever have bad days or good days. We have wonderful, I'm riding on the clouds months. And we have horrible, I am spiraling into the abyss months and years um, because it's, it, it, we're like, we're like a statue being chipped away at chip, 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 chipped away at. And whether that chip away at is, you know, you want to talk about the burning the candle at both ends, doing the best I can as a teacher, but, oh, let's throw them a curveball, brand new course. I've never taught, um, really okay. awesome, really awesome course kids who aren't really into it. And I have to actually worry more about the engagement than about the content. Um, so I find that I find that we get a lot of things coming in. A, we get more than one thing coming at us. Uh, I'll go to my, like in terms of music, put song together, start mixing and mastering. It's, it's, it's a process that's very, um, and you can collaborate with other people, but it's, it's more of a collaboration. I find that uh, there's a lot of people with a critical eye and I don't use that negatively. I think it's really important to have people uh, looking at what you do with a critical eye, but I think it adds an extra layer of stress in terms of the burning the candle at both ends. We want to be the best. There can only ever be one, the best, you know, (laughs) in the world right now, there is only one teacher who, who we could say is the best teacher in the world. Um, but right, who is that this year? There actually is an award for that. The world's greatest <laughs> teacher. Like they, they, they do that. Well, I think a Canadian. The no, there, there really is. And it's a million yeah, dollar no. prize. And, and, um, but that's the I, thing. I that's the thing. Canadian one a few years ago. They, I hope so. Uh, but that's the thing. If you, you're always striving to do there, you're going to have a burnout from all the things you do because you can't say it's both ends. It's got to be there's it's burning from the uh, curriculum instruction end. it's burning from the lesson planning end. it's burning from the uh, communicating with the parents end. it's burning from the coaching end. it's burn- it's it's more than just both ends and that adds up. It adds up especially when you're putting a lot of yourself into it. Okay, and I want to go back to something you said that you got this critical eye on you because I think that's important as well. To say that teachers are looked at, by the public in a negative light would I say be putting it lightly, especially during election time, especially if the contracts are up, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, teachers are quite often vilified. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 and it really and, depends where you are too. It depends where you are and who you are. But for the most part, I agree. Yeah. Well, yes, and it's always it's not. And in the cases that's not all teachers, but my experience, blah blah. And people want to throw their uh, experience of education onto the entire teaching profession as well. Mm-hmm. Teachers, they all they do is complain. They get summers off and health benefits and pensions. Stop complaining. Blah blah blah. So, well, you know, it's one uh, of the few industries that um, you know with what you're saying. It's one of the very few industries where the people in it are professionals. They're trained to be in it, but anybody can say anything about it. And it's one of the few ones that they like they do in a, in, in a large capacity. My brother's a surgeon, but you don't have people being like, oh, surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> look at that surgeon. How much he complaining about? He gets the summer off. You know, like it's, it's something that everyone uh, has an opinion about and, and actually voices that opinion quite frequently. And, and social media just makes that all that better. Right. Uh, well, what, what, yes. And, and, and so my observation with that though, is that we're talking about burning the candle at both ends and uh-huh. especially mid-career teachers is they will feel a need to justify their existence being like, no, I'm not one of these lazy teachers, quote unquote that just goes home at the bell every day and drinks, you know, on the couch while watching Netflix all night and getting my summers off and going to the beach and stuff. And and so they kind of feel that, no, 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 look at me. I have to work at least 80 hours because I'm putting it in for my students and for the parents that are calling me and my admin and my courses. And it's, it's kind of a need to validate their existence. If they're not doing that, then, then they can be called out. And what worries me is that when people use their voice to complain, which they do, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, they do this on social media. And of course, when you see that negativity, you're going to want to respond to it, which takes a lot out of you. To respond to an emotionally charged argument with your own emotions does drain you. You know, as as someone who's been a writer for many years, I, I can tell you, writing takes something out of you, especially when it's a very emotional thing. And of course you respond and then more negativity comes in. And so you start to spiral with social media because then it becomes an echo chamber of constantly trying to validate yourself. I, I don't know if you've seen that where you're at, but I, that's what I'm noticing recently is this constant need to validate what I do as a teacher, the work I put in against public opinion on especially social media platforms. And it's this fighting against this chaos that just, you can't penetrate. Well, you know, what do they say? Don't feed the trolls. Right. Um, and, and, and that, that's what it gets into. Like what you're saying about, like, there's the need to defend the profession. There's the need to defend, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, we're in a, we're in an interesting, uh, industry where, not many people go to work and they like, they have like a little, you know, their, their work family, you know, school divisions and schools become more than just colleagues. And uh, it's like, if you see someone posting something online, even if it's just about your school, you know, you, you take it personally. A lot of people do. A lot of people take it personally and they want to say something bad. Um, so I, I agree with everything you said there. It's it's draining because on one hand, you know, you have the, the, the bullets and the shrapnel are coming in on you and you 
either are the type of person who will respond to that and that's draining or you're the type of person who says you know what i'm a professional they can say what they want i'm just gonna roll with it but you can't tell me anyone who just decides to roll with it isn't taking some of that baggage with them and then you have another category of people you know what i'm working my butt off but if so and so and so and so and so and so keeps crapping on me why should i be trying if this mm. is how it's going to be, why should I even be trying? So you have three different types of burnout happening there. Because, those, the, you know, yeah, if you're responding to that, you are feeding the trolls. You feed the trolls, they get stronger. And you're just going to be in a constant battle where no one's the winner. But if you just take it like so many people do, some, some of the best people just take it, you're still putting that baggage in your trunk, especially if it's hitting close to home especially if it's hitting close to home. Um, like if it's something about your department or you personally type thing. Um, but then, yeah, you see a lot of people, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. So why am I going to keep trying to be Canada's best teacher when I could be Canada's most okayest teacher and still get by with a paycheck? And it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking with my brother-in-law recently and it's time for a confession here. I, I am that guy who hasn't seen The Office. I think I saw first one season one or uh, first few seasons. I never finished it. And it's not because I, I didn't want to. I thought it was great. I just, I'm waiting for a time when we're all kind of, I have nowhere to go and I'm stuck at home for a long period. Maybe I'll finish it then. <laughs> kind of like a COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, a pandemic would be perfect. Uh, so I'm that guy. So I, I, I don't have the full you know, meme knowledge of, of the office, but my brother-in-law, cause I'm, I'm talking about, you know, kind of, he's asking me about how are you surviving this pandemic? What do you think about September? When are you going back? And I, and I just kind of, I laid a lot of my feelings for the teaching profession. And he's like, you know what, right now, if you've seen the office, you came in the teaching profession, like Jim, but you're going to turn into Stanley. And oh. And so that's what you're talking about right there. So the officer yeah. Jim comes in, he wants to do well, he wants to be the best. And, and Stanley came in like that. He's like, no, forget it. I'm, I'm done. And, and you can't you get, beat down. You get, you get beat, beat down, down and, and that's it. And I think that's where you get this reciprocal. I think a lot of burnout too, uh, with what you're talking about. Um, no, you know what? We're going to, we're going to tackle this a little later. So we're going to, yeah, no, for sure. You come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then if things don't go the path that you think they're supposed to go, it's really easy to think that all you're doing is validating why you have a contract. And, you know, I one of the best pieces of advice that you can you can give to someone who's in that situation is, is talk to your admin. 100% of them are going to say, like, we got your back. You don't think you're doing good? How can we help you? You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of having positive relationships with your administration because 100% of the time, like it's not, they will say like, oh, you think you have to validate it? No way. Like if you think you need to be better in the classroom, how can we help you? Um, and I know that's getting to the next section of what they can do, but um, it is when you feel like you are just constantly validating that you are in the building to the stakeholders, to social media, to admin, to your students, then you're not doing any teaching. You know, you're not doing any of the good stuff that you should be doing. You're too worried about the look, if you should even be there. 
you know, it's a well, hole that you fall in. Well, I, I, I'm going to push back on the admin part a bit. Not not what you're suggesting that to build a positive relationship with your admin and to go to them. It's that sometimes burnout happens because the staff feels that admin isn't supportive. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, and so and I guess we could talk, we could, let, let's put that in the notes for when we tackle, like, how do we deal yeah. with that? But that, that well, could also be really, easy that. to say. It's just as easy to say, too. Like, I, I put it as, like, you need to go and talk to your admin. But another person could have a totally valid opinion and say, like, admin should recognize when people are, like, there and go to those teachers and talk to them, right? Right. But So I mean, it's it's that's a, it's such a tough one when people are in that that hole of I'm just validating that I'm here. Right. Right. <laughs> and and you're right. And you do take that personally, even if you just let it be. I mean, I mean, whenever people leave a negative review on one of my pieces I've written, it's just like, whatever, you're just some troll schmuck and like, I'm just going to write the next piece and go on. But you, you kind of. Oh, it stays there for sure. You're like, you know, you have all these positive reviews and you get that one negative and you're like, Ugh. Like, why? Like, why'd you read, even read my work then? <laughs> when we, when we wrote transforming the heart, um, I, I had gifted a copy to, uh, to a person who was kind of more at the end of their career. Uh, they, they are retired now. I, and I'd gifted a copy to them. And with that particular book, um, you know, we were very lucky. We had like very shining praise with it. Like, absolutely. Um, but this per, this one particular person who as a person I respected, they said, no, thanks. I don't want to read the book. And I was like, oh, okay. And and I said, I said, why? Can you tell me why? And he's like, well, I'm not really looking to have, you know, two people who have been teaching for five years fix all the problems that we couldn't fix in 30 year careers. Oh, and I was no. like, you know, what do you say to that? <laughs> um, you know, okay. was, you know, I guess I won't be giving you the book. Um, and, and as much as, as much as like I had that. Wow. Yeah, no, wow. for sure. Like I'm, I'm not looking to hear, I'm not looking for some person who's been in the game for five years, fix the problems that no one could fix in 30. Like FYI people in that book, I, we interviewed teachers who've been in the game for 20, 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so just so you know, it's not us spitballing. It's us talking to yeah. teachers who've been at it for 20, 30 years and, and getting their insight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what, <laughs> and that's what this person had said. And it was like, it, it felt like a slap as much as you're like, fine, you know, this idiot doesn't want to read the book that could have, you know, helped him to have less misery in his life. Um, but it stuck with me and, and there was definitely a little bit of, uh, there was definitely a little bit of like, oh boy, like I'm really happy to start sharing this with people again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and sometimes that's, you have to look at that. That's on people. That's on people yeah. as well. And and I know we're going to bleed into the other section here, but a good story from that is my own high school experience. I had grade 11 chemistry I had this teacher I, I enjoyed her quite a lot she was she was awesome and my, my friends and I were in the class and uh, it was obvious that she was having a rough go that year and um anyway we graduate we my buddy and I we run into her at the bay and she's selling perfume and we're just like oh hey how's it going how you doing and she's like oh good good and, and so we're like what are, what are you up to what are you doing here she goes well i decided to leave teaching and pursue my first love which is dentistry 
And we're like, oh, that's amazing. Good for you. That's awesome. We're so happy for you. Oh, that's, I, like, let us know when you, you've done that. I can't believe this is so good that you're following your dreams. Uh, it's amazing. We're very supportive. And mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, it was because of students like you that I quit teaching. What? I was like, wow. Not <laughs> <laughs> and now you're a teacher <laughs> and, and oh, so that's... you know that was a life lesson i'm like when you're a jerk face jerk to someone that that does come back to you and that's a, sure. that was a slap in the face but uh, uh, you, you gotta like, respect oh, you know, her for saying it <laughs> i was like oh wow like i and so you start to yourself was i really that bad that year like you don't think you are and and, and so i try to keep that with one of my students right they don't realize what they're doing not at all what they're doing and and but anyway that's the well, next section but you go into the you go into but the she job. carried that baggage she carried that oh, baggage for sure. years. and she and, probably actually got a huge release out of saying that to you it was probably very cathartic for her actually <laughs> like it was <laughs> like uh but again and it comes back down to like um you know we're individuals in a communal industry and when you when you lose sight of the community component of it you just become a, a single person who's who's weathering the storm alone. And that can contribute to all we're talking about. If you're weathering the storm alone, you have multiple wicks that are burning down your candle. If you're weathering the storm alone, you feel like you have to justify you're there. Um, mm. And that's huge, you know, because like you said, like um, when we are in it and we start to feel alone and that burnout happens, I think the things that happen in class, we start to take personally. I don't think... You know, it's it's very rare that um, an issue arises as an attack on your person. You know, kids not liking your class is not an attack on you. Um, but when we start to get in that hole of burnout and that hole of justification that we have to be there, we start to take it like that. Um, and it, it can be little things too, you know, you recognize the signs when a student who you're usually pretty jovial with um, has had a bad day at home or otherwise and is like acting quieter in your class. It's when you start to think, oh, they're mad at me. I, mm -hmm. they're, they don't think I'm doing a good job when really them being in your class alone after the day they've had is probably huge. Um, but that's not how you see it. Right. So what we're talking about here is just a complete emotional exhaustion. Yeah. I, I think that's what it is. I think, I think burnout is, is primarily emotional. Okay. It so leads into the other things, but I think it starts with that, the self and the emotions that we have. Right. So we, we care so much for our students who going back to my story may or may not even know that, yeah. you know, like, you know, as someone, anybody who knows they have kids, you know, you can't look to your kids for validation of your existence or for the, for them to even recognize that they're draining you. They're just, their kids. They're going to do what they're going to do. And you just got to set limits and be there for them and support them and just do everything you can as a parent and, and mm -hmm. not expect anything in return for it, uh, except to hope to God that they become health, healthy and happy and enjoy their life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess when you have kids all day long, every day for, years yeah it's 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 going to drain on you and you're right you do start to take that personally and you do start to make those comments and the comments are like oh like can you not see i'm stressed out i'm trying to do these five things for you and you keep asking me for that you know this one thing yeah. like can you can you, can you uh, like do they not get it 
Yeah. Yeah. You get very snippy. Do they not get it? Do they not get it? And like, no, they don't. It's the first time in your class. And that's the thing. (laughs) And when you ask that, like, do you just not get that? No, I don't. And if you can accept the no, you can get yourself out of the hole. Right. Because you've been in that class for many years. It's their first time in that class. It's their first time they've ever been that age. You know what it's like to be in their shoes. They have no idea what it's like to be in yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, they're going to sit there and tell you, oh, you have no idea what it's like to be a teenager or a young person today. And you're like, no, no, never. But it's about, <laughs> you know, and I want to validate that by saying, yes, I have no idea what it's like to be in your world today. Yeah. I have no idea what that's like to have a, a complete identity crisis because you have to curate your entire life in every moment and be worried that something somebody might take a picture of you will ruin your future career like like that like i have no idea what that feels like uh, well i kind of do because people might still do that to me yeah <laughs> but we're just living especially in when you adults. and i get together right yeah, we're just living it as adults <laughs> with the consequences are bigger <laughs> but no you're, you're you're hitting the nail on the head with every single one of those there because it's it's the experience of being alone alone emotionally alone professionally alone uh intellectually and then it bleeds into your physical when you the 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 the, the poor view you have of yourself as a professional starts to take a physical toll on who you are whether that physical toll starts with the snippy comments or you know like let's look at call what is people get sick people get sick they get physically ill from these feelings um and 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 it's something that can can be changed it's something that can be changed um well why why then do we feel guilty about setting limits. We feel guilty because obviously like, like we have to put limits on what we're doing here, but we feel guilty about it. Like why, why do you think that happens? um, Well, number one, we let's call it what it is. We are in an industry uh, where it looks good when you do a lot, you know? Oh, you know, Mr. McKenzie. Yeah, he's a, he's a great teacher. He runs a writing club. He runs the Pokemon club. He coaches the volleyball team. Yeah, he does track and field. Oh, he's always at every sports game. You know, that looks good. Looks good. And and it helps to, you know, you know, we call it what it is. It helps to further a career too, right? Mm. You know, a, a teacher who uh who goes to work, has a good lesson plan, is in their classroom at 3:15, takes off and goes home. That's not a person who is going to be giving uh, g- given leadership roles, because but, it's, but what if they don't want that? <laughs> well, that, that's like, the thing. I, I look at that person like, why don't we celebrate that person? We always well, celebrate the burnouts. That's just it. That's just it right there. Um, there are people who are absolutely amazing teachers who want to spend a career being an absolutely amazing teacher who don't want to coach, who don't want to chaperone the dance, who don't want to do this. They just want to be a teacher and they're happy doing it. But the image that we give is that the more you do, the the more of a leader you are. The more you do, I think. I think that's especially look at look at what we uh, look at how teachers who are mid to late career uh, talk about teachers who are early career. Um, we did that when we were your age. Now we got wives and kids that we have to deal with. That's why you're coaching basketball. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Um, we load people's plates. And, and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with having expectations of participating in the life of the school. I think it's really important. I think it's really, uh, I think it's really, really, um, I've coached a lot in my teaching career. And it's very, very rewarding to do so. You get relationships with students on different levels when you're a coach. I've chaperoned things. I've done it all. Um, but the difference was I chose to do it all. You know, I think when we, I think, I think when, and, and I, again, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it's, it's, it's wrong to have expectations for teachers to be part of the life of the school. Um, but I do think we really, really often push in early career to be taking things on. Uh, yes. And I think that really contributes to a late career having, feeling guilty about setting limits. I know it's so hard when every single kid on the girls, uh, the high school girls basketball team wanted me to come to their game on a Sunday morning. Um, and to be honest with you, I had no intention, want, or desire to go to a basketball game on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it is so difficult. You know, because the kids become your kids. It's so difficult to say like, yeah, you yeah. know, sorry, sorry, Jennifer, I'm not going to be there. Um, because again, you go back to the people who care. Who else told Jennifer she wasn't going to be there? You know, why, why, why right. does Jennifer care so much that Mr. Polson's there? You know, who else is saying no to her? Um, and so we, we care about our kids and, and dare I say it, we, we, we love the jobs we have and we love the people that we interact with at those jobs. And so it's so hard. It's like saying no to my son, you know, um, when I, when I have to, when, when I have to let down students, it's not fun. So mm -hmm. we try as much as possible not to do it. I mean, that's how I see that. We feel guilty about it because we love the people we're with. Well, and, <laughs> and and it hurts when, you know, you don't feel that love in return as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're also starting to veer into another direction too. And, and I think we have to talk about that as well. Late, mid to late uh, career teachers who say to younger teachers, listen, I have a family and kids now. It's all on you. And there's something to be said about that though because <laughs> i've said it ra raising raising a family is stressful That's it is taxing it is emotionally draining it it, it could be burning out just being part of your family and never mind the teachers consuming. that whose families are falling apart yeah. like the, like you, it's you can't help but bring that in the classroom it's time consuming the fact of the matter is i think i think about I, I was asked to i was asked to coach something uh this particular this this school year and I was thinking about the uh, sorry, not this year. It was it was last year. And my son was in soccer. And the day that teams practices were were the same day as Charlie's soccer practices. And I had enough time on it was like Thursdays or something like that. I had enough time that I I I had his soccer gear in the car. I drove to I dropped him off at daycare, had the soccer gear with me. I had I uh, pack in my lunch, I pack a snack for him because I had enough time to drive from school to daycare, get him in the car, eating a snack, drive to where the indoor soccer was, get him changed and get him on the field. And mm. he was three. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I mean. Like you talk to some teachers who are like, oh, my kid has a tournament, you know, five hours away this and weekend. So, you know, I, I, I have to Friday, I, I have to go, we have to drive there and I'm there all weekend. And then I'm back here and planning for the week. And let's say, I'll say this again too. If we don't have coaches, if we don't have club leaders, if we don't have that, we don't have an active school. We don't have teams. We don't have clubs. You know what I mean? We don't have a band if there's not someone to do the band. Um, so someone's got to do it. Yes. And I think what's going to happen now, especially during pandemic, uh, COVID, re oh, I think what's going to happen now that schools are starting to reopen with the reality of a pandemic striking again or a second wave is that a lot of these things we're talking about these things we do extra above and beyond the call of duty of just lesson planning we're going to have to figure out a new way to be involved and i think that's that's taxing because well, you can't have athletics or clubs yes there's going to be you know we're, we're potentially facing a school year um that is not like we're not gonna have teams and, and clubs and, and and extracurriculars um i know because i know the creativity and the love that teachers have i know that they're going to make something something will happen but we're facing a whole new way of looking at it i agree completely so this is also going to be an interesting time for for all those I mean, teachers are already burnt out and stressed as it is just thinking about well, the school opening up. Well, I, you know, I think about, uh, I think about that the, the, those last three months of school that we were doing the online teaching, and I'm looking through the um, the thumbnails of all the videos I did for my students and all the live classes, and as my, you know, as my as time like you can look at the thumbnails and see how I was doing because my eyes got more sunken, my hair got longer, my beard got longer. Um, and, and you're just seeing like a person who who loves what he does, who isn't burnt out, who's feeling the taxing of of, of what we do every single day. And um, I think everyone's going to be having to flex their teaching muscles as hard as they can for for not just next year, but years to come. Even when this pandemic is over and there's a vaccine, um, we're going to be, you know, <laughs> we're the sounding board. We're the sounding board for every young person who's going through toughness and now they all are mm -hmm. you want to talk about burnout um when you have kids coming to you every day who have legitimate problems in their life who need to vent to somebody they care about and trust and then you as a professional have to take that information and say what do i do with this now you know, is this something I need to speak with a counselor about? Is this, oh, you know, so-and-so is sad because they broke up with their boy. You know what I mean? Like, it's taxing. The, it's almost as though um, when you get into the profession, you start burning the candle. And it's really just how long your candle is um, because it's such an important career. It's such an important vocation um, that if you're not kind of burning a candle somewhere – you're not really doing it. Mm. And yet we have things, external things, you know, we've talked about it, uh, burning the candle at both ends. How many different ends are there? Uh, validating that we're even doing it. Um, having a hard time setting those limits because it's like, Hey, I feel awful that I can't say yes to everybody. 
And, and you know what? I feel awful that guess what? Because of the relationship that we have cultivated in the classes that we've had, I just don't really like you that much. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but think about it. You know, um, a kid who every day is it's constant. It's a constant battle to do work. It's a constant battle to do, you know, the, the the human being in you is not going to be like, oh, sweet, can't wait to go to Jason's, you know, like hockey game. The kid who never does work, who I have to call home all the time, who runs out of class. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, though, Jason here, we'll use yeah. this as an example. The one who's just driving up the wall, doesn't do the, doesn't want to do anything. You know, yet we'll still ask you to come out and see it. And and yep. that, yeah. I, and the human in you, you're right, says, I don't want to. You drive me up the wall. You drive me crazy. But the fact that you're asking me means you really want me to be there. Yeah. Like, this might be my connection to you. This is, yeah. you feel a connection to me enough to do that. And we've all had students like that. You're like, you're like I don't I, want I, to, but I will. I want to, I will. And you drove me crazy. And at the end of the year, like I had a really like a few years, got a really, really tough year. And it was both in the classroom and at home. So just, it was just chaos, all parts of my life. And I was, wasn't getting a break anywhere. And, um, you know, even other teachers recognized that like, Oh, Vito, you got, you got a really like crappy schedule this year. And that, that like, I don't know how you you're surviving. And, and I got this quite often from other teachers. And yet, at the end of the year, I still had students who'd be like, "Oh, sir, it was so much great to be in your class." I'm like, "For who?" Glad you had a good time. <laughs> like, a, like they they still they still get something out of it. Yeah. Like, and I and, and that's yeah. hard to see. It's hard. And to that's see hard to see. Like they said to you, "Hey, sir, it was awesome to be in your class," because that. It, you like oh you're 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 hitting on some things in terms of burnout that i think are really important because we only see the big awesome grand gestures at the end of things i hate that mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why every friday we my, my class does class but we can bring in food and we have a potluck and we do it as a community because i hate that we just celebrate the end of things instead of being in it and I, again, it's a mind shift change, but you wouldn't have known that they loved being in there if it wasn't for the grand gesture at the end. What if, what if, what if we started a culture of celebrating where we're at? I think we'd have less burnout. I think we'd have happier kids. I think we'd have happier teachers, but we don't because we celebrate the end of things. And I think this is a good segue to stop right here. And let's, let's look at that question and let's look at that idea along with the many others in our next episode because i think we're gonna wrap it up here i think we've touched on a lot of different topics and you were there's... really good tonight i was in <laughs> awe i was in awe of you <laughs> thank you thank you it's, it's you know it's something i think about quite often and try, try to report but anyway shall, shall, shall we sign it off now then yeah thank you so much again for hosting us today well, th thank you very much, Chris. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and to record these. And soon we'll we'll have to get some some of our guests on to yeah, definitely elucidate some ideas. But in the meantime, everyone out there, please uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and join us next week when we do part two on how can we mitigate the effects of burnout. I'm not going to say solve because it's unsolvable. <laughs> it's unsolvable. I think we had mentioned. We looked at that today. It's unsolvable, but how can we mitigate 
many of its effects. So, Chris, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. The Unapologist Podcast.